that's exactly what you should. I mean, the ham stuff is great. And obviously I use radios a lot and my career is probably most of us did, but I was thinking, okay, am I going to set my girlfriend up in Los Angeles with a antenna and teach her how to relay? Exactly. It's just not practical to get somebody um, trained up on that easily. Um, especially if they're going to be mobile. She's going to be heading out this way. So when I was doing manhunt, the first one I did, um, they lost me, which was awesome. It's a pretty crazy story <laughs> in Africa. And so after, after that, one, every other time, they completely lost me. I was off the reservation, and they were. It was a very dangerous situation. There were lions out. It was crazy. They thought they thought they killed me, but <laughs> that, they started using. They started sticking. They're called Delorme. The company was Delorme. And the Delorms had these little, and Garmin bought them several years ago. Delorme had this satellite communication thing and the SOS capability and the ability for you to be able to share your track with certain people and, and all of that. So um, after Garmin bought them, um, I bought, I didn't ever use them when I, I just had, they had them in my backpack, my rig, so that they could track me and make sure they knew where I was at at all times, the producers. But um, Garmin bought them and now they're, from three to 500 bucks, you can get little units and they're kick-ass GPSs as well. So it's a handy unit to have topo maps, touch screens, all the good stuff, all the, the bells and whistles on all the, the GPS level. And then, like I say, it has this SOS button on the side that you just squeeze that anywhere in the world and it will send out your location to whatever, whoever, whatever local rescue forces type people they would send um, the information to. And then, but then the communication in between these units and then also to cell phones as well. So I can put in a cell phone number and text a satellite text to a cell phone as well. So for, for exactly what you're talking about, as far as keeping in touch with your wife and coordinating if you're separated or parents or, you know, with all the stuff that's potentially going to happen, these are really handy units to have around. And the battery lasts like 30 days. It's crazy. That's awesome. Have you guys well, heard of uh, Gotenna for like local network setups? <coughs> Go Go 10 is what we used in uh, Syria. Yeah, I mean, they, they they do military apps and everything else, but they they make a small civilian app uh, where basically you've got this you know, little thing you can hang on like a, a backpack or a belt or something like that, and you oh, set up a local network yeah. where you can text, pictures, whatever you need to do. We, that, we were using the civilian version. It wasn't like the whatever military stuff they had. It was just some shit we were fucking around with. <laughs> yeah, the, the military stuff is pretty pretty high speed. You know, they can they can do tracking subterranean now, and you're just like, this. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, w within you know like a meter. That's pretty awesome. Gabe's here. Welcome. Gabe. Buenas noches, y'all. How's it going? Buenos. Wow, we got a full squad rolling. How long has it been since we had a full squad? At least a couple weeks. It's been yeah, two. Wow. Well, yeah, it's been two weeks since we've done anything. Well, feels like two months. It does. Jeez. <laughs> Missed you, retards. Right? <laughs> Happy New Year, everybody, by the way. Oh, yeah, it I is, forgot. man. <laughs> hey, Joel, it's going to be a like, fun if one. You don't, if you don't mind me asking, what was it like for the producer team and the network team to panic when they thought they lost you? Oh, it's a funny story. So I was it was in Africa, <laughs> South Africa, and it's the first real episode we're shooting. Um, we shot the pilot, and this is the first like real episode. And uh, they, so I, I told these guys all the the camera guys, producers, and everything. I'm like, we're going to be on E&E. &E. Now, I've been on all the schools. They put us on it. This is like the shittiest thing you can possibly do in the military. 
everything that could possibly go wrong has gone wrong. You've lost everything. You don't have any food left and you thought you were getting picked up. And guess what? Now you got three days to hump another 20 clicks or something to a mountaintop where then hopefully they'll come, you know, get you the next three, four cycles of darkness, whatever it happens to be. And they, they didn't understand. All these guys were like, oh, I, I did, I did, uh, uh, you know, Bering Sea gold and I did, um, you know, ice road truckers and yeah, I, I know hard show. I've done hard shows before. And then they get out and on our first our pilot episode, guys were quitting. They had to fly emergency sound guys out from L.A. to where we're doing our pilot episode because dudes are just like, fuck this. I'm done. I'm done. And then they also I, I told them all the time. I'm like, hey, look, in the military, all these militaries we're going up against and police forces and government forces and all, all these guys, they're going to cheat. They're going to cheat in every possible way they can, because that's just if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. So these guys are going to cheat. And so you got to be very, very careful on your communications. So then on the first episode, um, I'm putting in my first badass booby trap. And I see the producer over in the corner on his walkie-talkie, on his radio, radioing back to the producers. And I'm like, hey, what the fuck are you doing? It's like, I'm telling them where it's at. I'm like, is that a secure, are you, are you on secure comms? Is that encrypted? Do you have any secure? He's like, no, the army gave them to us. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> that frequency they programmed in for you? You just told them every so then these idiots that I was going up against, they weren't very good. The first one they came up and they knew exactly where my shit was and they kind of snuck up and they they had all the cool guy moves <laughs> going up. But, um, but the producers they quit all the time and they freak. So then the first episode, we we're in Af Africa and we're in Kruger National Park. So there's shit everywhere, like all the big ones are everywhere. And so I have to be very, very careful. And I actually had a park ranger with me because he had a, a weapon. Um, so he we had a park ranger and he was a smoker so he could he couldn't keep up for shit and then i had my camera guy and then i had this producer sas guy in the field and uh as we're moving through the area the, the rule sets on manhunt basically was if they get within 20 meters of me identify me and get within 20 meters and they, they see where i'm at i will surrender and then they'll come in and they, they take me down but anything other than that i mean if you yell at me from like a quarter mile away that's not a capture. So you saw me big fucking deal. You know, that's, that doesn't mean shit. Um, and so um, the, the, the park, the rate, the guys tracking me, amazing trackers at native, um, whatever tribe it was in South Africa were tracking me. They were fantastic. They had these, these, um, these boar special operations guys, South African and Australian special operations guys that were running the, the recovery team trying to take me down. But uh, one of these idiots saw me and yelled, from a long ways away, so I'm like, see ya, boom, I'm, I'm off. <laughs> then the boar special operations guy got really mad, and he started firing his elephant rifle into the dirt. I mean, he was, he was firing down, but he was like, you know, he was shooting like this into the ground. But it was, it was still, he was shooting at me, you know, sort of at me, which was obviously way against the rules. <laughs> it can't kill me. And, uh, <laughs> I'm yeah, they frown on that. Yeah, I'm gone at that point. I'm like, see, I'm, I'm not sticking around. You're not coming up and you know wrapping me up. I'm gone. And so my my uh, ranger guy fell off immediately. And then my the SAS yeah. guy who was producer in the field, he fell off because he was um he was like 60 years old, stud, but he's like 60 years old. So the park ranger, um, my producer are both gone. They're the ones with the radios and all the all the connectivity to the Discovery Channel and everything. And it's me and my camera guy, and we're off. He was an idiot, but he was a great athlete, so he could keep up. So we ran for probably 50 minutes, 50 minutes an hour straight, just like a, a pretty good pace run through South Africa, Kruger National Park. Not smart, but um, we're running. And then 
um, we come across, we run into some lions, actual feeding lions. And oh, that, that's good. That will definitely get your heart rate up. That was awesome. Um, backed out of that one quick. Uh, but then the the guys are, were after me. They saw which direction I was going. So they're coming up. And the, there were the lions, which obviously I came across, that were hunting in that area. Big lions. And so at that point, they were like, okay, we got to we gotta fucking find this guy. It's, it's not it's no longer a TV show. You got to find He's going to get eaten. He's running through a fucking... He's running in an area where big cats are hunting. Big cats are all cats. And this is one of the things that you learn in, in Africa or any place that has big cats. You don't ever run. Don't ever move quick. Don't ever. They'll chase. You know, even if they're not hungry, if you turn and run, they're, they're on you. That's just what they do. It's what a cat does. Your old ball of string in front of a cat. What does it do? You know, it, it pounces. That's what they do. They're hardwired for that. So now I'm running through this area that these lions are hunting. So they're trying to capture me now and they're driving around yelling like joel come out of the bush you know it's, it's time to come out we're we're no shit they're gonna eat you and i was like i'm like nah. yeah yeah exactly i'm not gonna, I'm not gonna fall for that shit. you guys just fucking shot at me you're yelling at me that the game's over or something yeah, fuck that man I'm, I'm still moving and so I, i'm close to me i'm running and i come up to this this river and everything and pretty much anything in africa that's you know bigger than five feet across you just you just you just factor in there's a fucking crocodile in there. You just, you just, you just, <laughs> gonna be you a just, crocodile. Yeah, yeah, just assume that. You're going to be a fucking hippo in there. So you just stay away from the water. In fact, they say the big five that um, Cape Buffalo are the things that kill the most people every year. But if you factor in all the people that go missing and you just never found again in Africa and you assume that those are crocodiles, then crocs are top of the list, way top of the list. So I just don't want to go near, you know, bodies of water in Africa. So we come up to this river and I'm down in the bush and I, I see that they have set up a cordon across there. So there's all these guys along the river waiting for me to cross the river. And then they all get, they all stand up and they walk to the center to talk. And I'll find out <laughs> later it was right. Like, look, we got to save this guy. He's running around. We got to capture him for his own, you know, his own well being, not for the, for the TV show. It's like, we, we got to get him in. He's going to die. See and fuckers. So yeah, as soon as they move up, move out of the way of the bend of the river, I book across the river, hoping that no fucking crocodiles grab me. Nothing did. Get across, and anyway, they finally, we finally connect with them. And hey, get Randy, we finally connect with uh, with them, and they're they're totally pissed, and they think that I was, <laughs> I, I won, I got away, I got to the, the extract point, and they finally catch me at the extract point. They, they come to me at the extract point. So then I find out later that as soon as they lost me after they started shooting at me um, and they realized there were lions in the area and I'm running through this area and they have no fucking control whatsoever and don't know where I'm at and have no locator on me or anything. Um, the producer in the field, amazing guy who's done all of uh, all of Mike Rose stuff, really cool guy, really uh, close friends. He calls up the, the discovery producer. So there's a net, there's a, there's a producer in the field that runs everything in the field. Um, that, that's the producer for the studio that's making the show. And then there's the networks producers. And they're the ones who are back wherever, London or LA or New York or whatever. And they're not in the field. They're the ones coordinating all the shit, you know, at the, in the network level. So he's calling London, calling Discovery Channel and going, hey, and he gets the executive producer of the show, the vice president of content worldwide out of a meeting. And he's like, I think, I think we just killed Joel. I, 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 I'm <laughs> We'll fucking film everything and we'll find somebody else once it's over. <laughs> so um, they, they thought that for sure, and there's stuff on the behind the scenes episode that's really funny. 
the the safety guy was an old SAS guy, SAS MI6 dude. And, you know, he was so calm and, and wasn't freaked out, but he was joking about, you know, body parts and how we're going to scrape me up and pick me. So they, they all thought I was dead. It was awesome. Oh, damn. Navy SEALs, they're a dime a dozen. We'll just get another one. Yeah. <laughs> Half of what they do at Buzz is just teach them how to tell stories really well. <laughs> it gets you out of a lot of shit with the instructors. If you can entertain the instructors, you're going to entertain the instructors one of two ways. Yeah. One of two ways. That's right. <laughs> you. Oh, oh, man. Goodness. You guys are in for a great That's awesome. Good we haven't even started yet. Awesome. <laughs> I think in the, in the natural lull, uh, maybe this is just a good place to go ahead and kick it off. You guys uh, down to get going? Yeah. Here we go. Stand by. Bitcoin Veterans is back. Happy New Year, everybody. We hope you had a, a great holiday season. It is time to get back on the mission, get after it. Uh, we are fortunate enough to have a wonderful guest. If you missed the pre-show, what are you doing? Get here 15 minutes early. It's, it's just standard operating procedure, for God's sakes. 15 minutes early, you're on time. If you're on time, you're late. You've already missed an incredible story from <laughs> that has been all over the world, been chased by you know the, the big five in, in Africa. I think we're going to get into some amazing <laughs> stuff tonight. Uh, but first and foremost, this is Bitcoin Veterans fairly self-explanatory we're bitcoiners we're veterans we get together and we've got an amazing group that's growing all across this country and now across the entire world uh we started bitcoin veterans to put people back on the mission especially veterans you guys have this natural innate uh want and love of your fellow man uh you, you you've signed up to protect them you've signed up to defend the constitution all these things and maybe you got jaded along the way. Maybe you saw some things. Maybe you've got nihilistic and you think, hey, man, the only way back to freedom in America is, you know, we're going to fight our way there. There's another way. Bitcoin's the way. We are going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to have a ton of fun tonight. Uh, but our mission here is to get you on the mission with us in Bitcoin, whatever that is, whether it's talking about citadels, whether it's self-defense, whether it's what Gabe's doing with Operation Bitcoin. If you want to work in Bitcoin, if you need help with PTSD and, and the, the brave mission is here for you. Uh, we have got a load of things uh, we are talking about not only here, but behind the scenes in our group. So if you want to get plugged in, contact any one of us and we will get you plugged in. But now to introduce our guest, the esteemed um, star of the Discovery Series, Lone Target. And uh, he is uh, he's been, I think, in, in many other things uh, on Discovery. You, you've, you've shot quite a few uh, little movies as well out there. Uh, our guest tonight is Joel Lambert, Navy SEAL, uh, man that has uh, been, I don't just, I think, iconic, an icon in the space for quite some time now. We are absolutely delighted to have you here, Joel. Thanks, guys. Pleasure to be with you. Um, it's awesome to connect with guys on your mission. This is, um, I'm in. 
<laughs> yes. All right. I was gonna say, so, you, you know what that means, Joel? You might get canceled tonight. I do, and <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to people canceling me. So, speak, speaking of getting canceled, and before we get into any of these specific topics, there's one thing I came across an article when I was researching you a little bit. And first and foremost, I want to say that I, I appreciate your appreciation for the cool brand gear because the pants and the jackets are freaking awesome. But there was a point in this article where they mentioned a specific cologne that you like. <laughs> and you said that it smells like um, like Smoke. asphalt. It's, uh, it, that's what it was. Campfire and, and uh, road tar. tar. Yes. Is that real? It is. It is. It's called, I can't remember what it's called. I can go grab it, but it's, it's um, called Black Panther, I think Shane said. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's called Sex Panther. 78% of time? <laughs> Every time. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, I it's never, really I never would have thought that combo would be, it would be a deadly combo, but I have to look it's into it. It's awesome. It's awesome. You know, it's got that, those are some of my favorite smells, like tar, pine tar, road asphalt, um, campfire. I got a fire going right now. It's it's fantastic. So I don't know if All it right. drives them away or brings them in, but I got a girlfriend, so she she doesn't say anything about it. <laughs> Fair enough. I'll take that a as a good, good reference. I like starting off with a bit of a laugh. Um, you know, you've just told this amazing story about you know traversing across uh, some of the the open spaces in Africa uh, while you you've been doing some evading. Was was that uh, B roll? from the, the you know evading crocodiles and, and lions was that what uh, spun up the uh, predators up close uh show as well kind of so the predator so I, I had manhunt which was called lone target here and in france it's called it that different it was manhunt mostly around the world but the reason it's not called manhunt in the u.s is if you google manhunt i, I caution you not to it will take you to a website that or at least several years ago it took you to a website that is not my particular cup of tea um, but, uh, so they <laughs> target instead. Just a second. I got to Google something. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Navy guys, let's slow down here. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it still is, but back in the time, it was a different kind of manhunt that, um, you would find on that, um, that webpage. But, uh, so they, they called it all kinds of different names in different countries. My favorite one was in China. They call it capture the special master. Which is pretty awesome, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, they, they 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 I started doing manhunt. I got uh, picked for that, and that's an awesome story too. And we started filming that. It was going over so well globally that Sarah Davies, the one who was they called up to tell them that they killed me in the first episode, um, she she called me up and said, "Hey, why do, would you want to do another show?" I'm like, not really realizing what a time suck that would be. I'm like, "Fuck yeah, that that sounds great. I'll do another TV. You give me another TV series." Great, ka-ching. So um, she said, what do you want to do? And so we kicked around a bunch of different ideas. And there was this video that she had of this dude who had this little like fiberglass or like plexiglass and steel, like a little phone booth. And he was set up some in this little phone booth. And there were like predators attacking it and smashing him and pushing it around. And it was pretty crazy. So we thought, what if we built something like that? And then put like heart rate monitors and stuff on me and then had these animals attack the shit and you know it'd be kind of kind of fun and we could like put bite force meters out and stuff and measure the the strength of the animal's attack on on what it thinks is me and i thought that sounds that sounds 
pretty badass. So we went into that and it kind of changed as the shows develop, they, they change and they kind of evolve and take different turns and such, depending on lots of different things. So it kind of become, became me and this um, attractive girl that was the animal expert. And we'd go out and then the animal, we'd interact with the animals as much as we could. And then she would have all the, the information on the animals. And I'd just be kind of like the dude sitting there being badass or something. Um, and, and so that worked out really well, except this is, I've never told this story. Um, the girl that they they hired to do to be the animal expert for this whole show was very sweet and cute and an absolute fucking dipshit. I mean, she was just, <laughs> oh, oh my God, she was dumb. And so I, I don't meet her. They don't want me to meet her until we actually arrived in Africa to start shooting the first episodes. We're shooting a lions for the first time, our first episode. And uh, we get there and I meet her at the airport. Um, I think at, at, um, at, uh, it's a London airport. Um, I'm blanking on it. Anyway, um, meet her there and we fly off to South Africa and this girl, she, all she can do is talk about her boyfriend. And she's like one of those people that you're just having a conversation about whatever, you know, you're like, we're, we're getting to the airplane. She's like, Oh, Oh, my boyfriend and I, we flew and she's just dropping this boyfriend fact every turn, which is, I mean, I understand it's not, I'm not hitting on you. Nobody's hitting on you. And we, we get, she have her boyfriend and, and great. Good for you. Yay. Awesome. I don't want to know. Anymore. I don't need to know anymore. Let's just move on with other shit. Let's do the job. So we get there and she's just constantly talking about her boyfriend. And so we get to where we're at to, to shoot these lines. We're on the Mualeshi River in um, Zambia, the middle of nowhere. It took like three flights once you land in Africa to get to this place in, in um, Zambia. And it's totally remote. It's in this, this compound they build every year and tear down every year. So they have like three months they can run this, this safari resort. So they build it and tear it down for three months every year. So what's crazy is when you're in this this resort, um, you're, I'm laying in my cot sleeping in, in this little hut, and I wake up to the sound of an elephant eating the grass on the roof of my house, of my hut. It's like the 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 you before you go to the bathroom, you have to shine your flashlight around to make sure there's not a leopard walking through the camp, which was all the time. So it was really awesome how remote it was. But it wasn't like we could, you know, just pop into town for something. And so we're out shooting the stuff on the lions. And so the, the director or something would ask, hey, Christy, um, what, what about the lion's carnassial teeth or their eye shine or something? And she'd be like, well, I don't really know. I'm a primatologist. And I'm like, what? Okay, we're in the middle of <laughs> on the Wallace River. You've been hired for the Discovery Channel show to be the animal expert. You know we are shooting, um, we're shooting lions for the next three weeks. And you don't know fuck all about lions? <laughs> <laughs> mind-boggling to me so our producers have to call back to fucking london on the satellite phone every night and have uh, assistance research shit give information to give to our fucking lion expert so she could talk wow. some basic shit so then every night as well she's she's drinking wine around the campfire she's getting hammered every night um she's, <laughs> she's shit in the morning she's chain smoking throwing cigarettes in the in the savannah pissing me off um and talking incessantly about her boyfriend until <laughs> one morning at breakfast, we come in. I've about had it with this chick. I mean, she's just such a moron and she's making, I, I want to do a job here. You know, you got to do a job and she's completely unprepared and unprofessional in this job. So we get to, um, to breakfast in the morning and 
I look down, she's wearing something low cut and she's got big black hickeys all over the top of her tits and her net. And apparently her boyfriend wasn't enough to keep her from not hooking up with a camera assistant. Um, so she's hooking up with a camera assistant. She's also doesn't know shit about lions. She's drunk every fucking night. <laughs> she's just useless. And so I'm, I'm getting so irritated with this bitch. Um, it's just, I can't believe I'm telling a story on a podcast. Anyway, I've never told that. <laughs> so we get to um, where the lions are actually going to come in and, and like, you know, interact with our pod. Um, and so it's dark and we've got camera guys set up in hidden places all around. You know, they don't want the lions. So they're, they're we've got them hidden and remote as much as possible, but still able to get cameras on the outside of the, the pod. And uh, the pod camera's all inside the pod, and it's all mic'd up in different areas. And then the, the director can talk back to us and, you know, tell us what direction he wants us to talk about or, or whatever, you know. Warn us if they've got lions coming in, whatever. And so um, we're, we're doing our thing, and I'm, I'm doing my thing. And then Christy starts to direct me, which in any kind of on-camera, if you are – one of the only the director directs you you never direct a, a fellow actor or a person or anything not to mention this is my fucking show this is the title has my fucking name in the title and she's been hired to be my animal expert and so she starts telling me how to do my shit and I, I finally snap and i just lose my fucking mind and i just go full scorched earth on this dumb bitch this poor girl, <laughs> um, in this pod, letting her know what I think of her, her direction, her, her unprofessionalism, her pickies on her tits. I'm just, I'm just fucking unloading everything on her. And, uh, and then I, I let it quiet and she's kind of sniffling a little bit. And then everyone's quiet. Like the whole, you know, the radio channel has everybody on it. The camera guys, the sound guys, the directors, the producers, everyone's on it. Just radio silence. Nobody's saying a, a word. And the director comes in and he's like, uh, Joel, can we go ahead and move forward? Or I'm like, yeah, let's, let's, do, let's do it. Let's shoot. Christy, you ready? <laughs> so we get back. And she, was, she was hired for the whole series. So this poor girl, was she was a bartender. And she was hired for this whole Discovery Channel series that's going to air globally. Um, you know, it, it's like a major opportunity for her. And we get back, and I call up the producers. I'm like, she's done. Just, I'm not working with her anymore. She's just, she's useless. And so we had a phone call with her agent and the producers and the the production company, Plimsoll was a production company that was making it for Discovery Channel. Discovery Channel hired Plimsoll, which does a lot of uh, natural, uh, you know, uh, natural history kind of uh, production stuff. And so we had a product, a call with everybody and I, I just let, laid it out. And then, so she was, she was hired, she was fired. And so then the next uh, girls that were hired were lovely. And we had one for, um, who was an expert on sharks and one who was an expert on polar bears. And that was, that was it. So anyway, they, they, made, they made sure they were actually experts on the targets that you were going to be interacting with and not a yes. primatologist. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes, exactly. And not only just a primatologist, but one who didn't give a shit to, I mean, I had, I had books on lions with me. I, I was trying not to read them because I wanted to learn from the fucking primatologist, but she was useless. So I was looking up the shit in my, in my books. <laughs> This segues perfectly into our next conversation. Um, how could possibly that segue into anything? Women, <laughs> go. No, I'm just Women, what? 
Jordan, you lagged a little bit when you said it. It didn't come through, Jordan. Women in the military, go. Ooh. Oh, Lord. Oh, you're really oh, trying boy. to get canceled, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> Look, I think we're, we're right now in the special operations community dealing with all, Millie and all the rest of the, the woke bullshit coming down from the true masters of this world trying to um, you know, shove all this in to, to weaken, demoralize, and destroy our combat effectiveness and our masculine effectiveness. Really, is what the 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 core um, core search or the core core push for this is. And so, women in the military, fantastic in lots of places, lots of places. Um, in uh, special operations world, yes, in their own capacity, not in the stack, not in the train. You know, not with armored up fully geared up about to you know blow the breach and move in the room because it's just it's just not it's not gonna and everyone who always asks me this question from a, a place a different place than you asked it jordan is i, I just asked one one question which is you don't um, know where i'm coming from I, I know where you're coming from you're coming from someplace else <laughs> anyway um the uh the the, the sole purpose of the military is combat effectiveness, power projection, um, kinetic power projection and, and power um, power application. And tell me how making a unit like the SEAL teams co-ed is going to is going to help that. Give me, give me one, one. Exactly. That's the point. Yeah. Is, is it nobody? Nobody. Well, well, diversity and diversity is a strength. And that's the only thing anyone can come up with. Diversity is a strength. I'm like, you're a, at that point. I'm like, no, diversity is not a strength. You're a fucking moron. When, well, it's, it's well, like a, you said, when, when properly applied, like Delta has been using women since like the eighties, because they realize if you put one guy on a street corner doing recon, he looks a little suspicious, but a exactly. couple standing on the street co corner smoking a cigarette is just a couple standing on the street corner. Absolutely. I would, like, I would like to take a second to point out that this isn't just a, an opinion of some dude. All right. Joel was a lead instructor at Buds. And Buds is is the selection process to become a SEAL and go to the SEAL teams. So he would know. He is literally the fucking expert on the subject of who should be in these teams and who should not be in these teams. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's also in in Joel to, to the point that you were making too. Like when people talk about diversity or what in whatever capacity, it's like if you want to be more effective, the diversity you should be looking for is in in like thought and capability and in experience. Exactly, like those are the diversity points. Not who has a exactly. penis and who doesn't. Who has skin pigmentation? Like that's just ridiculous. Yes, but I can take that point to every fucking DEI yeah. diversity everything. That's exact. You're exactly correct. And Alex, I mean that's that's. As far as um, reconnaissance, um, subversion, all that shit, absolutely. Women do amazing things, and they do some bloody, fucked-up shit that I couldn't handle. I, I've, yeah. I've, I've faced my demons, and I've done shit that I'm extremely not proud of in combat operational sense that I, I don't want to revisit ever again. And uh, there are women that I'm aware of um, that will just breeze through that. In fact, you know, when they when they select for the CIA, which that's another rabbit hole to go down, when they select for that, they select for for sociopathic tendencies. They don't want girls that don't have sociopathic tendencies. They want women that are able to do the fucked up shit. They, want the, they want the Lorena Bobbitts of the world. Exactly. Damn. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what they what they need. Um, Might as well put those. They're only good for honeypots or anything like that. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that 
in the stack with I'm 200 pounds. And when I was slick, that was, you know, hundred pounds, maybe um, fully geared up is, is two, 300 pounds. And I was a 60 gunner and I was a breacher. So I'd, you know, all my equipment, I had my chainsaws and quickie saws and you know all the Thule tools and all that stuff all over. And so, you know, you're looking at 350 pounds to move my ass out of a doorway or whatever you want to do and, and show me the, and there are women that can do that. So here's, here's the, here's the, the, the point to that. There are even in buds, um, you know, 80% of the, of the dudes that attempt want that want to be Navy SEALs for their entire lives. They sacrificed everything to try to make it into buds. 80% of those guys quit, fail or die. So if we take that ratio into women with the bone structure, the strength, all, all the things, take that into it. And then consider the expense and the problem with making a co-ed, all the, the <laughs> circum, all the shit, all the logistics you have to do for a co-ed thing, not even factoring into affairs and pregnancies and, and all the shit that we know happens in all the regular military units with that are co-ed. So just take just the, the, we have two girls on a SEAL team now. We need to have facilities specific, all the things that they will need, the expense and the problem just logistically to factor that in. And then compare that with the the very small amount of males that get through BUDS training. And then that's going to be by a factor of 10 at least from the women that even would want to try at the very least, probably closer to 100. Nobody's made it through even the pre-selection yet. Um, and they've opened that up to women. And so really, I didn't know that. Yeah, they've opened that up. And I think um, I think I think one woman I think one woman actually didn't make it through um, through. Um, no, uh, make it through, um, uh, the, the pre phase, whatever. And then um, she had an opportunity, I think, to start um, in doc or something like that and then chose not to is what I heard. And I'm just you know, I, I hear the rumors because I'm still really plugged into the community, but I don't know. I well, think, and, uh, and then on, on top of all that, too, like one other big factor between just men and women is their their preferred leadership style. Like that makes a big difference. Exactly. And in the spe in the military in general and then in the special operations world, I mean, you got to have a real thick skin with your best mm. friends. You know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if you if bad. you show any I mean, that's the thing in the SEAL teams, any you show any reaction, any reaction, everybody will note it and just start pushing that button and it's like that you know most units but in units like you know the sf ranger battalions and seal teams seal platoons it's one of my good friends he's awesome if he hears this he'll get pissed at me but so his name's uh key waden he's an indian dude he's a great guy i did two platoons with him but key waden um when he first uh uh checked in he told everyone you can call me kiwi so everyone started calling him kiwi and then after he he got a little uh, settled in. He, he decided he didn't like that. And so he, oh. he made up another name. He's like, oh, you can call me Quaid now. So, so the Kiwi button just, yeah, <laughs> in his locker, just Kiwi, Kiwi, Kiwi. It's just, you can't do anything. You can't show any, any irritation with anything. Mom jokes, girlfriend, you can't do anything. It's, it's an immune hard. response. Yeah, it's exactly. You're, you're, all the bros will give you, will test you as raunchy and as offensive as they can be. To see any reaction, any reaction, your mom, your wife, your kid, anything, boom, it's on. And it's all yeah. love. Yeah. Yeah. Women, <laughs> they're just trying to make you stronger, bro. They're just trying to make you stronger. That's all. Totally. Or totally. find out if they have to push you out, one of the two. Yeah. Find out if we can break you or make you stronger. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of the core of buds. Can we break you or will you, uh, will you 
not break. <laughs> I think I think Joel just missed out on a role in GI Jane, and that's really where all this is <laughs> stemming from. <laughs> she edged you out of it, man. Demi Moore got your spot. <laughs> stop, man. But I don't have hair like her. Yeah. Hey, oh. some, something that's encouraging, though, that I, I saw a, a report um, earlier earlier this week on the DEI initiatives. That um, I mean, in some places, I think it was Google actually. They're slashing their DEI budget for uh, for 2024. Get because, out of here! Yeah, because it's just not it's not working. So, it, but I think that the the message here is diversity for diversity's sake is is in is ineffective. Um, but I, you know, finding diverse talents and diverse skills and then leveraging them and assessing them properly and then putting them to work, I think is it can be very effective. And it's like you said, you know, you get a, a socio sociopathic female that has no problem, um, you know, slitting somebody's throat and their whole family while they're all asleep and then just breezing on through life. OK, that can be a useful skill in some situations, I think. But um you know, at the same time, if you take somebody and you throw them into a into a freaking pot with a bunch of raging bulls running around, who's going to get their feelings hurt and then sue somebody? It's just a bad situation for everyone involved. Sue somebody if you're lucky. Some of these females, it's, it was well exactly. Known. Yeah, I'm, like guys yeah. that were doing contracts for the CIA, CIA direct hires or, or doing contracts for them. You learn really quick. You don't date the hot girls that are running around that are that are um, that are employed. Just do not date them. They're hot. Don't date them. Don't even talk to them. That's bait. <laughs> That's right. Sharon Stone's running around in there. Not that I ever <laughs> saw that movie back in the day. I've just heard uh, about yeah. it. Is that so? <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> okay. So, name of the show is Bitcoin Veterans. I want to know, what is your Bitcoin story, Joel? Like, how did you hear about it? What got you switched on to it? Why are you interested in it? Why do you? What are you doing with it? And that's, why? Where does this all go, man? That's a great question. Well, I'm a, a Bitcoin newbie, so I was had heard about you know everything as everyone always did. People always talking about um, you know Bitcoin pops up on social media and friends like you got to hear about this and and I blew it off. I whatever. I was one of those guys that you know it's it's a digital asset. What good is that? Um, and then over the course of just kind of getting into actually i've so this is it's kind of a bigger story we can go back to it but I've, i i own a company right now escape and evade mobile i did you know the, the escape and evading and sear stuff on tv and and that's kind of my thing my wheelhouse and i got into i'm gonna i gotta answer your question first before i start tangenting um but uh so I, I, my company is involved in augmented reality and blockchain technology right now. So as I got, as I started understanding that a little bit better, because it's so such a massive shift in the way we think um, that at that point, I started looking into Bitcoin because, you know, I'm, I'm looking into and I'm learning about all these different blockchains and all the different technology and all the different stuff in Web3. And, uh, and you know, everyone always talks about, you know, um, there is no second best um, Bitcoin and, and all the, the things that, 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 you know, everything's centralized control and then the CBDCs and all of that. Um, but then I started looking into Bitcoin and I'll, I'm the first to admit I've, I've not even read the white paper, but um, I read Soft War and I started learning about 
the stuff and, and then, you know, everything shifts and you just kind of get it. You get the concept. I still, I, I, I'm the CEO of a, of a, a company that's very involved in blockchain and in web three. And I still don't understand that much of it just because it's such a profound shift. It's like the internet and, you know, 1988, you know, it's just, it just didn't, you, you just, there was no space to fit that concept in. And so, um, I, uh, once I learned about Bitcoin, um, I've been on a rabbit hole journey of, you know, freedom and liberty and all the stuff that we've all been on. But m very recently in the last, in the last, um, several years, um, you know, it's, it's gotten to be paramount for me. I fled California. I packed up all my shit and just well left done. telling anybody, Oh yeah, that was, that was, uh, that was move number one. And just, I'm just very much interested in maximizing all of these things. And, and as, we can get as far down the rabbit holes as you might want to, but you know, as far as the people that control the world and all the, the levers of power that they've used and that they've established themselves into the primary one that they're executing all their levers of power are the central banks and the central banks. And, and you start looking back into all the stuff, the gold standard coming off of that and, um, and income taxes and all, all the things that go back to the beginning. And the fact that this is the third central bank we've been on and watching all the, I read a book um, probably before, I joined the Navy that kind of turned me on to the beginning of this. And it was called confessions of an economic hitman. Hey. And I'm, yeah. Okay. All right. You guys, some of you guys have read it. I've not read the updated edition, but I read it a long time. I would ago. recommend it. It's really 15, good. years ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. So 20, 25 years ago, actually. And that really opened my eyes to the beginning of it, you know? And so that really started changing things. And then, you know, I had all these amazing experiences and, then all the stuff that's happening now is, is really the veils being lifted and, and we're able to see really the machinations of power and what we've been conditioned to our whole life. I've been really getting into some of this um, you know, state national stuff right now, as, as opposed to U United States citizen, which is not what we think it is. Um, and uh, so, and, and as I'm learning this stuff, I'm like, this is, again, it's a complete, complete paradigm shift of, the way we see and exist and think of ourselves in the world. It's not something that you can, it's not something that you can just, um, just get immediately. It requires a complete, a complete shift. But as I'm learning the things that I'm learning, I'm like, why has this not been, I've known some people that have been on this, you know, the state's national um, kick way back when I was a kid, but it just seemed kind of weird and strange. And maybe the, the, the FBI is going to come bust down their door at some point. Um, <laughs> But then I start realizing how everything is legal and how, you know, the U.S. is a corporation and is only it is only Washington, D.C. and all these things that and I just am blown away by even even me, who I think I'm pretty insightful, how conditioned we have been to the existence they have created for us. Yeah. yeah. Golly. Okay. Well, and like they're, they're like, especially to that to that level, like learning, particularly the fact that like, when you're born the identity that is given to you is a corporation technically exactly yeah you have there's a, the human individual and then there's joel patrick lambert in all caps which is yeah. the corporation yeah. that is and so i'm i'm learning that right now i'm just filing my revocation of election and um just my new passport and i'm i'm i'm, I'm not participating in this grid in this uh this this game anymore i'm not playing and that's bitcoin is part of that I are all of it's part of it. Excuse me. I'm going to turn off the TV that lights annoying. 
I think this is a great subject, and I didn't think we were going to go here. Um, the the, no. the idea of, <laughs> of, of of getting rid of the, the the corporate whoever you know your 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 uppercase name is, and this is something I've looked into a little bit myself. Obviously, um, when 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 we go down this route, I think this is a, a great subject to follow up with, like down the line, like for everybody in Bitcoin veterans, it's out there. Uh, if you know, if Joel, maybe this is something you could help us lead with. Uh, if, if you understand it, you're already taking steps to go this route uh, to divorce ourselves from the system completely legally uh, to, to make that separation between the, the state sponsored name and the living man is, uh, is a real thing. Uh, there's a great couple of great videos out there. So I think it was guy in either Montana or Idaho, but, um, I want to kind of ask on, on the leading into this, that segue, you had mentioned, uh, reading the confessions of an economic hitman. Um, when, when did you first start to go, Holy shit. Like what I'm doing as a Navy seal, around the world like was it that that first chink in the armor of like the indoctrination that you know you've been through your entire life the intelligence that was being fed to you on a probably a daily basis especially in theater you know where did you first see like what was your example where you're like man this just does not make sense to me that's a good question and so if people always ask me because i'm i'm the rabbit hole guy um they always ask me you know where did where, when did this when did you start to wake up? You know, what, what pushed you over the edge? Cause a lot of people have, you know, something particular that, that pushed them over the edge. They realized the TV was lying to them or, or, or whatever. And for my whole life, really, I was, I was always a weird kid. I was, you know, I was in trouble for smoking pot and cigarettes, playing rock and roll, all, all that stuff. And so I was, me and my buddies we were always, and this is pre-internet. So it was very difficult to find information. We were always down the Illuminati and, you know, the Loch Ness Monster and the Men in Black and, you know, the reptilian agenda and all that stuff. So I've always mm -hmm. kind of into, what, what's that? I said lizards. I'm sorry. Please keep going. Yeah, yeah. Hey, you yeah. tripped his trigger. <laughs> right on. <laughs> the Dracos and all that. Yeah, so um, uh, I had always been kind of on that side of things. And then, so Confessions of an Economic Hitman fit really well in. When I joined the Navy, it was solely to be a SEAL. And I wanted to do it to be to test myself to see if I could do it because I didn't think I could to be honest um, and so I knew that that was what I had to do because I wasn't sure if I could do it everything else that I was thinking about doing I was in my very I was like 21 I'm like what am I gonna I gotta do something something was calling me someone was telling me to take a hard left turn off the the straight and narrow path and uh, I didn't know what it was um, so I thought you know maybe I, I moved to Sao Paulo and I train with the Gracies or I climb Mount Everest or I you know, what, what's the thing that I'm going to do? All of these things, I was like, I can do that. That'll be hard. I can do that. But then being a SEAL, I'm like, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can make it through BUDS. I don't know if that's, if I have that in me. And so that was what I knew I had to do. And so it was for that purpose. And then also for the brotherhood and just the my own action and all of that. I never had any kind of political um, aspirations or political ideas in my head as to what I had no idea the depth of the corruption of our government and what it's become at this point and in conjunction with uh, Israel and the five eyes and, and all of the intelligence agencies and, and all of that stuff but I was always aware and so when I was operating and when I was active duty I never had I don't think I had a lot of 
problem with it. And I still don't looking back at my service. I don't have a problem with my service because what it was, it was the brothers next to me. It was the, the warrior tribe that there are very few left at that level of that kind of pure warrior, you know, sacrifice yourself for everything, die in a burning blaze of glory kind of community. And that was to a degree, my enlightenment. That was, that was a, a very enlightening powerful world life experience for me that I wouldn't trade for anything as far as some of the things I, I did. And I, I have a completely different understanding about all that stuff now. And we, we all do. And, and there's nothing we can, we can change about it. Just move forward and, and in understanding and knowledge and, and everyone's waking up. So we're all going to have a, we're all going to have things to look back on when we're under the, the yoke of the control. And that's part of the reason why I'm, I'm so, when I learned about the, the state's uh, national stuff and, and uh, really started diving down that rabbit hole and really learned, I thought I have to do this. I can't not do it. I understand now the, the, the levers of power and the machinations that this truly satanic Luciferian agenda is exerting on the world and on me. And all I can do is move myself out of it. And if I don't move myself out of it, I am, that's, and I'm, I'm not a Christian, but that's a sin against God. You know, if I, if I voluntarily stay in this system after understanding the system. All right. So, so how, did, how did you figure out Bitcoin? Like, how were you introduced to Bitcoin and why I, are you interested in it? So I was, um, I was curious about Bitcoin and, and I didn't understand where Bitcoins came from, really. And so I did some research and I talked to my COO of my company, who's the tech guy. And then I, I under, he explained Bitcoin mining to me, and then it made sense. And one of the other one of the, the blockchains that we're working with right now with my company is the Internet Computer Pro, uh, Project, which is amazing. Not about cryptocurrency or anything like that, but it's it's an egalitarian internet. It's removing the internet from the control of Google, Apple, Amazon servers, and Microsoft. It's amazing. Um, so these guys are fantastic. Um, we're working with them, and so I learned their. Um, how their token works, which works um, as a voting rights on this egalitarian blockchain, and then also works to buy cycles, computing power. For So if my, my website were hosted on the internet computer, I would buy all these ICP tokens, which then would give me voting rights in the internet computer, like just steering rights. I'd have a, a board seat basically. And then I would spend those tokens. So that's the inflationary pressure. And then I would spend those tokens for computing power as my website gets traffic and, and processes. And so there's the deflationary is it's actually burning. The token is gone forever. So they're created as rewards by participating and, and steering and they're burned by hosting your, your stuff on, on the internet computer. So when I learned that, then it kind of made Bitcoin that, that kind of put Bitcoin into focus for me. And it's then gateway reading, drug. Yeah. And then, and then reading, um, and then uh, I'll uh, confess to you guys, I bought a bunch of XRP a long time ago first. And then, <laughs> and, then and that was my first, as I first started uh, learning, I didn't know anything at the time. I, somebody told me to, so I bought some. And anyway, um, so now I'm only spending, I'm only buying Bitcoin. Um, uh, I know I'm a shit coiner or whatever. Um, uh, it's, it's, I, I understand this, this, this situation. And so as I started understanding Bitcoin and then I read um, software. And then that was the thing that kind of clicked. 
you know, I, I was just trying to see it as and understand it as digital money. And that was hard for me. It was hard for me to understand all of them as digital money. Um, and then um, as I started to understand that, understand how um, like the ICP token works, which they're not using as money, it's, it's computing tokens, it's, it's computing power. But, um, uh, oh yeah, fuck off, dude. Um, so anyway, <laughs> the, uh, so, um, gateway drug. And, uh, then I learned about Bitcoin and then I learned about it from Lowry's point of view, which is the power projection. And then that is what made everything really click into place for me is that, that really, when I, when I read that, and I didn't even read all of it. I read like 40, first 40, 50 pages. And I was like, I get this. Okay. It makes all, it all makes sense. I understand the, I understand the strategic importance in social circles and in, in government and global circles. And at that point, uh, that was when I was, I'm all in. So, so like, actually, I, there one of my questions I wanted to ask you, it kind of dovetails out of that. So, because before you came, before you even got to the Bitcoin kind of like rabbit hole, you were a man of capability and like what I what I would say a man of like certain freedoms that ninety nine point nine percent of the population does not have because of the capabilities you had. Huh. Did so? Did Bitcoin kind of like almost not only reopen like the like the focus and the like the uh, search for freedom, and did it also kind of like super lever it because you didn't understand the kind of freedom you weren't. Of, that wasn't available to you because you couldn't get outside the dollar system. Yes. And yes on that. And I want to expand a little bit. So it was, once I understood it, I'm like, this is, this is what I, I was looking for. This is what I'm looking for. This is exactly it. And this is, it, it's inevitable. But then, um, then when I went down the state sovereign, the, the, the um, state national route and, and started really exploring that, I'm like, this is, this is everything now. Here it is divorced, removed from the corporation of the United States that is controlled by the, the Rockefellers and the Rothschilds um, and the rest of their <laughs> the 13 bloodlines and all, and all of that. We can go, like I said, rabbit holes, rabbit holes. Um, but we have we have the currency, we have the, the power projection and protection for our social systems. And I'm removing my, my, my human person from this satanic central bank luciferian system and uh, and bitcoin is the method for it. so so between bitcoin honestly and the state national route that kind of covers it all for me I'm, I'm doing it all out here at the farm this farm will no longer be considered this will be a, a, a embassy more or less a, an alluvial i can't remember allu alluvial deed something i can't i can't recall i'm i'm just learning about this and i'm moving along um the moving moving down the road as I learn more and, and take steps to, to free myself. I've taken two big steps already, and um, I'm I'm going to completely free from this system until the this system. Is, this is a fantastic opportunity. Do you have questions about Bitcoin that we can hit really quick before we dive into the next stuff here? Yeah, I do actually. One, well, I don't have a specific question, but something I'd love to learn more about is that everyone's running in nodes now, and everyone's getting their their rigs set up and everything, and I. I I think I kind of, I, I kind of have the gist of it, but I'd love to understand that more. If anyone's a pro on that, we got a couple guys that have set it up, set up a couple of them in the last few what weeks. We could definitely hook you up with people for that. Mm -hmm. I'll give you some summary info on nodes. Okay, right. so there's different sort of uh, pieces of the puzzle when it comes to Bitcoin. 
you've got individuals who own Bitcoin. You've got the blockchain, which is a record of all the transactions, essentially. Right. You've got, which lives basically in cyberspace. It's, it's copies of it are on many, many, many different computers. These are what we call nodes. So what a node is, is when you download a copy of Bitcoin Core, you download a copy of the entire blockchain. Right. And then you've got the miners. Right which are processing the transactions and adding new blocks, so to speak, to the blockchain. So the, the, the interesting thing about the nodes is this is the thing that makes it so it can't be shut down, actually, in my opinion. Yeah. Okay, so uh, I can remember back in the day there was this one um, e-gold guy out of Costa Rica who did this thing where he was like, I'm going to create these digital tokens backed by gold. The problem was is that the government knew where he was. They knew the IP addresses of his servers. They, it was a central point of failure, right? They yeah. took that guy out. I mean, black, they went in there with some tag teams. They, they got him. He, I think he's still in jail. With, with Bitcoin, the way it works with the nodes is you can download a full copy of Bitcoin Core and the entire ledger, the entire history of all the transactions in Bitcoin going all the way back to the Genesis block, which today, by the way, is the birthday, the 15th year 15 years ago today was the genesis block all right so the beauty of that is this is the reason no one can stop it it doesn't matter like the most powerful government on earth cannot stop this thing because at this point these nodes have been downloaded hundreds of thousands of times and exists on satellites now so if governments around the world wanted to try to stop this thing, they would literally have to shut down the whole internet. They would all have to agree. All the countries would have to agree. We're going to shut down the internet at, the same internet at the same time. And then once we do, we have to locate every one of these goddamn nodes and we have to destroy them, make sure they're never started again. Because if they ever start up again, the whole thing repopulates. Right? Well, and, and they, the ones on the satellites too. The, be the, the best part to that is that because of all the nodes that are run on tour, there's no way of knowing how many total are out there on the planet. Uh, so yeah. what what is the benefit then in running your own node and how do you set that up? And, Great and question. All that? So there's, there's two benefits to running your own node. The first is you can, without going to anybody else's website or anybody else's node, verify for yourself your own transactions, right? So nowadays... Let's say, for example, I say I send some Bitcoin from me to you, Joel. Mm -hmm. I could go to a public website that tracks all the transactions, and I could look up that specific transaction. I could see where it went from my wallet address to yours, right? Problem is, when I go to that website, that website now has a record of me visiting that website interested in that specific transaction. Does that make sense? If you yeah. run your own node, you can look that up in the integrity of your own network. Nobody even knows you looked it up. Mm. That's the okay. first reason. The second reason is it adds to the resiliency of the network. Every single node that exists makes it harder to kill in general. Right. The last thing is you can use your node to broadcast a transaction to the network without relying on anybody else. So if I'm using a wallet, let's call it a ledger or a treasure or something like that, and I want to send you Bitcoin, What's going to happen is I will broadcast that transaction, but it goes through ledgers, ledger, excuse me, ledger or trezors nodes broadcast to the network. If you run your own node, you can broadcast your own transaction. If you're reusing somebody else's, they have a history of that. Right. Okay. Right? So it's 
All right, right. That makes sense. And I'm all and about for, And for a lot of people, like, you know, there's so many like things you can do with a node when you have it yourself, but I'm a retard. I don't know how to do half those things. I'm probably not gonna know how to, <laughs> but the reason I run a node is just so I'm one more node on the network that makes it that much more harder. Like even if you're an idiot who's not going to be able to do anything, you can run a node just to help boost the system. Yeah. Just to spite the opposition. Yeah. No, I, like, I'm all about that. That's, I get it. That's now we're from our sponsor, Start9. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I, you guys are getting paid, Matt. Uh, Matt <laughs> the guys over at Start Nine uh, Sovereign Computing. These guys are amazing. If you're looking to get into this kind of thing, I you know this is a free plug for those guys. Um, they have made this extremely simple. It's it, it's one of the easiest uh, setups out there. It comes you know prepackaged. A lot of the times you're going to be building your own nodes out there, and a lot of people prefer that. But if you don't, and you're new to it, and you want to do everything that we're talking about, where you are running your own node. Uh, where you're hosting everything through your own server uh, and, and telling the government to get fucked, Start9 is a great place to start. So, anyway, that's uh, that. thank you. I just I pull a bookmark that and I will be digging into that <laughs> shortly. Hit me up, Matt. You owe me. <laughs> <laughs> it's really cool, too, Joel. And I appreciate you sharing where you're coming from. Like you said, you're still very new to Bitcoin. So there's a lot you have to learn. I'm, I feel like I'm pretty new and I got in, you know, a, a couple of years ago. And as much as I know now, you know, I know way more just from listening to other people, but like, I know there, I'm still, you know, an idiot on a lot of things. There's still a lot of, there's so much out there that I have to learn still. Um, it's cool for you to come in and just tell us your story, especially going into this, this bull run that's coming like or maybe we're in now like people y'all better buckle up and be prepared for some of the people that are going to come into this that we're going to have to educate get on board every cycle has people that come in and some of them come in for the good for good reasons or some or for bad reasons but then they learn while they're there and some people never learn they're they're in for the number go up and when shit hits the fan and everything comes crashing down, those are the people that are left. When we had Preston Pish on, he talked about those are the people that you have just beaten down and no matter what, they are not selling. And so you find the bottom of that market. Like those are the guys that come in and they're the warriors that are not giving up. They're the diamond hands that keep like the system going at the base layer and cut all the fat. Like, I think nowhere do you really see a better perspective of how the economy is supposed to work when things get too, when there's too much froth in the system, it just gets wiped out and you're left with just, just the pure, the people that understand it and believe it are running it. Um, and it just, people got to get your minds right for what is coming in this bull run. It's going to be, ETF gets approved and we're going to see a wave of boomers and stuff. Just get prepared. Like, don't get pissed off when people don't understand it right off the bat. Like, on, have some on, patience. On top of that, along, like following that same train of thought, for those that haven't been around for like the big bull runs, like specifically what I'm thinking of, of like 2017, um, when stuff really starts to take off, uh, a lot of these services have issues with being able to move your Bitcoin in ways that you want to. Mm -hmm. So, like, 
when it comes to like the node conversation, like it allows you to, like Alex was describing to um, broadcast your transactions in a way where you're not relying on another application or like their, their compute capabilities to be able to pass along what you're trying to do. Cause like Coinbase is a great example. Like when the, when the bull run price action was popping off, it wasn't just like their services, like the, the entire Bitcoin network was getting clogged <laughs> up. So like, just like, it's like, there's a lot of, there's a, just a lot of risk mitigation that comes along with just running your own node. That that's very interesting. I'm going to dig into this more and learn. And probably like when I first bought, I didn't understand it. I bought some and glad I did. And, you know, I'm just stacking as I can just sat on top of another. <laughs> yeah. And it's like you said, man, the, the learning part, I, I don't think it ever stops. And that's, no. that's one of the coolest things about it to me is you, you can study this your entire life. And I, I still think there will be so much more that, than any of us can ever learn and I think that's one of the reasons why why we're seeing so many veterans that are attracted to the Bitcoin mission is, you know, we we've got this, you know, this this hunger for training and for for improving and for growing and becoming more. And um, I mean, our, our community is growing like crazy. And and, I, and it's got me kind of it's got me wondering, um, what would you say are some of the some of the attributes or some of the skills that you refined during your time in the military that that kind of that made you um that, that guided you into, into embracing the Bitcoin mission? Oh, probably, um, critical thinking, the biggest one and independent, independent thinking, being able to have an independent opinion away from the pressure of everyone else and stand up in a room full of fucking alpha males. And so, no, that's fucking wrong. It should be done this way. And, you know, getting spanked by that if you're wrong or, or, you know, getting an ice cream cone, if you're right, you know, it, <laughs> but you just get used to being able to stand up for yourself and say no against some very scary individuals, you know? And so I think that just getting, being, becoming a operator, getting to, you know, just being a, becoming a, not that I was a senior seal, but becoming, you know, a couple deployments and respected. And now, you know, everyone, people listen to you when you talk and you, you're, 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 you're expected to and allowed to have an opinion because before, before a certain amount of time, you know, don't even bother sharing your opinion because no one fucking cares. You know, haven't heard your opinion yet. Yeah, I haven't heard your opinion yet. Which is that's a great um, quote. And I've tried to find it. I can't find it lately. Um, by uh, Henry Rollins had a quote, something to that effect about how in the tribe of men, you have to earn an opinion, and the opinion is not listened to unless you have earned yeah. that in whatever manner the other men think. Yeah. Respect, respect is earned, right? Yeah. That, that's a thing that's very, very important. And I think it's it's been lost to a great degree in today's society. We need to bring that shit back. That's one of my yes. big with Bitcoin veterans. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the big thing that's happening in this year. 2024 is going to be crazy on a lot of levels. And we're, we're moving into a really interesting time. I think a lot of the shit that's, that we were talking about earlier, um, the veil being removed and, and everything crumbling down, it's all a good thing. This is all the destruction of the old guard. It's all, you know, it's all like me and people waking up. I couldn't have been on with a group of, of dudes and talk about, you know, sovereign citizens, sovereign nationals, state nationals and talk about this stuff and have everyone understand what I'm talking about. You know, this is, this is, it's, it's the great awakening in a lot of different levels. You know, it's a, it's a spiritual awakening to who we actually are as humans and to what's been done to us in this third dimension um, experience that we're going through in these meat suits and the people 
or the, the entities that have been running this place for since before Sumeria, really. So it, it goes way back. And um, this is in, I personally think I'm positive about it. I think, how can it not yes. change? I mean, we've, yes. we've, we've hit the tipping point a long time ago on yeah. the fire being lit and people, one of my closest friends, um, Mike Smith, he's the one who did, um, I don't know if you guys have seen out of shadows or into the light. Those um, documentaries, some, uh, some really great documentaries on the control systems that are in Hollywood and through our media. And it's some, it's some awesome and scary shit. It's one of my closest friends. And he's the reason I moved out to Nashville. I came out cause we we're visiting him. He had, he had, but he was a second unit director, stunt coordinator, top stunt man in Hollywood. I mean, he was Batman. He was James Bond. He was, you know, he was one of the top five guys probably in all, in all of Hollywood. And he finally got just sick of it. And he, he got injured on a, on a um, TV show and changed his whole life. And he ended up doing a documentary on the pedophilia and Satanism in Hollywood and how it's been baked, baked in. And, you know, of course, He's like, you know, death threats on him now. So he left Hollywood. He doesn't work at all in Hollywood anymore. Moved out here. And then um, another good friend of mine, Boone Cutler. You guys may know Boone Cutler and General Flynn did a book um, called 5GW, Fifth Generational Warfare, and then a follow-up book on AI. They're awesome guys. And so Mike did a follow-up um, documentary I highly recommend called Into the Light. And Into the Light is on the control systems and how they're using AI and the data harvesting and scraping to create digital twins to it's, it's, it's insane. And when he did out of shadows on the Satanism and pedophilia in Hollywood, that one you can find, go to um, into the light dot movie, I think. And out of shadows is on that website. And he just uploaded it to Twitter to X. So you can see it on X as well. Elon allowed it when he created that it was blocked everywhere. You couldn't even type into or out of shadows on a direct message on any of the social media sites. It would block that message. And then, but when Dang. he did, out of shadows it was a little ahead of its time people didn't quite were quite ready for it now if you watch it you're like oh shit oh yeah 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 this is amazing this is great information but you know no one no one really was ready for it quite yet a lot of pizzagate a lot of the epstein shit it was it was all um kind of ahead of its time and into the light is the follow-up to that and that's ahead of its time it's ai digital twinning the data banks that they have on all of our shit that's exactly it there's there's mike driving that he's, he's here in nashville with me one of my one of my best friends but watch Out of Shadows. It's free. There's Mike. And then Into the Light um, is his follow-up to that. And that, I think, costs four bucks or something. But it's so worth watching. Um, it's it's all this stuff. It's all CIA stuff. It's all control. It's all the control. They've been executing over. Yeah. You know, the, the, from our, our, cor our individual corporation and the trust that that's attached to and all of that to the media that they've been controlling, Mockingbird, Northwoods, all the things that they've set up from the very beginning of this stuff. I mean, Hollywood media was not ABC, NBC, CBS. They were not created as, as what they are now. They were created as control mechanisms. This whole thing was created as control mechanisms. And we have been programmed and you know, your intentions, we create our reality. And so if you have, you know, 6 billion people or 7 billion people on the planet all thinking the same way and expecting the same thing, or even 330 million in the U.S., all expecting that the U.S. is this and the U.S. citizen is this. We're creating that reality for them. They have programmed us to create the reality they want, and now it's all crashing down, and they're making the big push, but I think it's too exposed. Yep. It's, too, it's too far, it's too far yep. exposed. Yep, 100%. Yeah. There's this, too many nodes decentralized. Exactly. 
Exactly. In people and on the Bitcoin network. So it's all, it, it's unstoppable now. This kind of thing is the media now. Like exactly. That, exactly this right. Is where we're going to get the signal. This is where like, we're going to get guys like you, everybody who's an out of, out of the box thinker. This is the media now. So fuck Absolutely. these limits. Absolutely. And it's going to crash and burn and come down. And it's just amazing to find people. I, I talk to people all the time and, and I, I mentioned, you know, MK ultra or in Northwoods and all this <laughs> stuff. And then, and then like something that's, that's super obvious, like paperclip and people are like, yeah. Holy shit. They, people have no right on dude. You redeemed yourself. Um, <laughs> no, no idea or um, you have no idea the shit that's been going on under their noses, right in front of their faces. I mean, it's, they shove it in your face because it's, it, they can, they can shove it in your face. You know, one of the things yeah. is it's a karmic thing. If they tell you what they're going to do, then it, they think it absolves them of their karmic responsibility and the shit that they, they then do to you. But they've gotten so comfortable and we've been so mesmerized and put in this spell and created exactly what they want as livestock that they shove it in your face. They shove it in your face now and they don't expect any that now. I think they're really starting to panic. They're freaking the fuck out now, but for a long time they can yeah. just shove it in our faces and, and have no, it's, it's more important now than ever that we have yeah. strong dudes stand the hell up, do what's right, say what's right. And yes. be an example to the rest of everybody else. Cause there's a lot of guys, there's generations of young dudes today who have no examples of strong men that they can mentor with and follow. Yes. Yeah. And that's a huge, huge problem in America today. It so is. And that's something yeah. that they distinctly tried to do because what you're talking about, that's going to thwart anything that they want to do. And so what have they tried to do? They got to take the masculinity out. They got to remove strong men who are committed to truth. That's why they've got all this, this gender bullshit and all this stuff to remove strong masculine things and to remove the truth. You notice all the shit that they're pushing right now. It all goes back to, um, to the, 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 um, the postmodern and the shit that came over from Germany. That was a really interesting book. I read about that when they brought that over here, but the deconstruction of all of this stuff, because they have to deconstruct this because men like us will not allow this to happen. So they have to remove that. And how, what, what is the tool that we use? The truth reality they've got to fuck that up and that's what the whole all the gender shit all the all that bullshit is all about climate just, change exactly it's about just scrambling up truth so that people just follow along in the narrative instead of the truth because the truth is the power the truth is, is is power okay speaking of which this is a perfect segue into a couple of quick announcements if you guys don't mind i'm gonna do it now the reason why i want to do it now is because this 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 discussion dovetails right in with it one of my objectives with Bitcoin veterans is to create this gigantic citadel of networks all across the United States of America where we can get dudes together and do man stuff and talk about man things and build fires and cook meat and shoot the guns and shoot the bows and do the fucking land nav and do all the things, right? Because we desperately need that today. And I'm looking, I'm big time looking forward to it. So a few couple of quick announcements. Number one. Gabe, I'm going to give you the honors, Gabe, because Gabe has doing been doing all the heavy lifting on this part. We have an we have a new discount code for Bitcoin 2024. Yeah, so we've been fighting to uh, 
actually, we're not even fighting. We're going to have a huge presence at the uh, conference in Nashville in July. Um, we've got uh, our group is is going to be showing up in force. And so we uh, we went ahead and had a conversation with the organizers of the event. And we now have a discount code um, for there's a 10 percent off discount. So get in there, get in there while the price is, is uh, still in a good spot. The discount code is Bitcoin Veterans, all one word. We're going to get out there and we there there are more announcements to come on that. There are things that are materializing, but get out there. Um, you're going to want to be there. It's going to be massive. So the code, yeah, code Bitcoin veterans, Bitcoin, Bitcoin veterans. veterans, one word. Yeah. When you even when, you retard should be able to remember this. <laughs> if you have an issue with it, just reach out to me and I will I will show you how to spell it again. But it'll be all right. <laughs> I'll, I'll write it down in crayon for you and you will be fine. I promise greatly appreciate this uh okay a couple of other quick things um these bitcoin veterans the custom mugs thing that were done by my buddy garrick if you're interested in one of those there's only like 20 of them all all handmade if you're interested connect with us we'll dm you how to get in touch with him i use mine every morning i've used it every single day during the show so next up we have a friend of Bitcoin veterans who has graciously agreed to let us use his property up in the Colorado Rockies. He's got a hundred acres up there at nine to 200 feet of elevation. We're going to do the very first Bitcoin veterans, Colorado muster. And this is going to be the first time we're going to get together. And we're going to do the man thing. So looking forward to that. Um, I'm going to invite you right now, Joel Lambert right now on the air. I think you should be there because you would be an incredible asset to these young gentlemen. Um, I would love to. When when is that happening now? We have a number of different dates. We're going to be circulating around with the key people that we want to be there. We'll make sure that everybody agrees and says, yeah, these dates work. Once that's done, we'll distribute it to everybody and say, okay, let's do this thing. Everybody can bring their camping gear, come hang out. Um, It's going to be a freaking fantastic time of fellowship and and just doing awesome stuff with some strong dudes. You want to sharpen yourself? This is going to be a great time to do it. Smoking some meats to hang out with you, uh, you guys there, um, and everyone else. Uh, and then also speaking of the, the Nashville Bitcoin thing, um, I'm about 25 minutes North of Nashville. You guys you have to come out to the farm. We got 80 acres out here and we'll go to yeah. bread, have all a bonfire right. by the tobacco how barn. Far from Nashville? Wait, how far from Nashville are you? About 25 minutes North. Dude, we need to He's talk. Right He's right there. He's right Too easy. <laughs> because, because we're planning on doing a, a Bitcoin veterans range day for the Nashville, uh, Bitcoin 2024. Thing. I've got two shooting lanes, but not Shane, you're here. also on mute. All right. We'll 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 talk some more about that. Okay, other quick things. Um the Brave Mission. This is Shane's deal up on his mountain. He's got a PTSD mission where he's working with psilocybin and keeping <laughs> some dudes up on the mountain and helping them heal. Mm. I'm a big fan of this thing, I've done it myself. Um spring season is coming up. If you're interested in this, get in touch with us. Uh, Joel got so excited. <laughs> Talk about psychedelics, man. I'm that's that's another route. That's uh, man, you fire me up. All right, Joel, we need to get you up there. So, so, so here's here's the thing. I'm not talking. I'm, this is Shane's deal. I'm not running this, so I'm not calling the shots. This is 100 his thing. Right? We're running it. We stole it from him. We did. <laughs> I'm promoting it because I love it and I think it's fucking fantastic. All right, so. You want to get the guys up there that are going to make the biggest impact on Bitcoin veterans and grow this shit exponentially. But on top of that, if you have things going on that you need to overcome from shit you did or shit you saw or whatever you have issues with, 
You haven't fixed it yet. You haven't dealt with it yet. This is the way. Get in touch with us. The, the spring season for this thing is coming up. We're going to be doing two seasons, one in the spring, one in the fall. Um, and there's going to be a multi-mission thing going on here where we're going to have a group of guys that are up there sort of doing the journey with the Silas Ivan, fixing their shit. And there's going to be another group of guys who are basically going to be doing some, some small unit land nav security perimeter shit to take care of the guys doing the journey. And it's going to be a simultaneous effort. So anybody who wants to get involved with this, who you think you have some skills to contribute, or you think you need to be on this journey because you have some shit to work out, contact us. We're all about doing that. I would love to be involved in that at whatever capacity. And that's another big thing, big story that I've done a bunch of podcasts and stuff on is, um, is my uh, entheogen experiences that I had several years ago that really knocked it out of the park for me and, and healed shit. I didn't even know needed to be healed. Yeah, so right. I was all about it. It was, it was a crazy story, crazy journey. It was, it was incredible. We went down there. They're doing in Mexico are doing, um, uh, Ibogaine and five MEO DMT. And I, I didn't know anything about this stuff. And I heard about it and I got plugged in and I went down and, um, nothing will ever be the same. It was anybody, everybody, if, if, if you're not like totally not antithetical to this, you really, everybody in their life, I mean, everybody in their life can experience this. Maybe not Ibogaine and 5-MEO. Yeah. Those, those are nuclear options. However, um, you know, psilocybin, <laughs> cannabis, um, you know, uh, ketamine has been used for some real great, uh, real great stuff lately. MDMA, um, MDA. There's a lot of stuff that a lot of guys are having. In fact, on my, on my, experience i had amazing experiences and one of my buddies that was down there with me had amazing experience he's a, a, a dev group guy team six guy big tatted up and everything and uh, i called him a couple months after our, our experience in mexico and he was doing ketamine and having like that was breaking him through the the journeys we did didn't quite do it for him which i didn't understand why because it was so intense but he apparently he had some he had a little deeper shit to chip off the toilet bowl and the ketamine really was, was doing it for him. It's, so, uh, it's, it's, it's in, I think it's important here to add a disclaimer because there's a lot of things that were just mentioned um, because I come from a different crowd starting with that used these substances in a way that is not for healing as a way for specifically recreational. And if like, I'm just bringing this up because it is very easy to fall into those crowds and, it, things can get very dangerous if you're not with the right people using those substances for right. a very specific means. 100%. Yeah, let, let's just pause for a second. Just, I mean, and, and really say, hey, listen, this is not for everybody. This is no. for people who are extremely strong-minded. It's for, uh, you know, diagnosis. And, and, and this is this is really a, a tool. In the wrong hands, it's just like anything else. You can be, it could destroy lives uh, yeah. or it can make your life much better. Uh Obviously, if you're going to go down this route, go with a professional, uh, you know, not some backwoods doctor. Uh, go go out with somebody that knows what the hell they're doing, uh, yeah. has a great reputation in the space, understands the dosage and is not, you know, trying to get you to go to, to Mars the first time. You know, there, there, are, there are pathways to this that you need to understand. Um, if you're not with the right people in the right place, this can go disastrously wrong. So uh, right time, right place, right people. And this is a tool that I think 
you know, as, as we grow the space and, you know, I think, you know, some people have done some real groundbreaking, you know, for us, but, you know, for the people who don't have fuck you money yet, right. They can fight every trumped up bullshit charge and everything else. You know, this is something you got to be careful of. So be smart, you know, and, and, and use your, use your head before you go in and be in a comfortable place. Like I said, this is not for everybody. So that's our disclaimer. Uh, but this is an amazing tool set for veterans for people with post-traumatic stress which is let's say that's basically everybody on earth um and uh you know at, at that point you know we're going to start shifting you know the, the culture around this as well because if there's one group of guys out there that we know has post-traumatic stress that isn't getting the treatment that they need especially from the the va you know in, in terms of being able to select something natural something non-addictive something that is going to absolutely help with post-traumatic stress and, and, and help you deal with it at the different stages of your life, this is it. Yeah, absolutely. Since I've vomited all that out, let me say that <laughs> it's not about the, the, the molecule as much as it is about the set and the setting that's going to determine your experience that you have. And the set yeah, being yeah. your mindset, where you are, the preparation you've done, the integration you do afterwards, and the people surrounding you, the facilitators and the doctors yeah. and all yeah. of that, and then the setting that you're in. I mean, this is all scientific. They did all this back in the 40s and 50s when these substances first were being experimented on. The, the set setting that you're in, the comfort, the, 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 the feel of the area that you're in, the set and setting are just as important as the molecule themselves. So if you, you know, eat some mushrooms or drop a tab at a rave or something, that is not even in the same universe as what will happen to you in a therapeutic or a facilitated shamanistic medical, yeah. you know, focused intention ceremony. And I'll, and I'll tell you, if you go, if you go up in the mountain with these guys and you've got Shane leading this thing, this is not his first rodeo. You're surrounded by a bunch of very strong men that are on the journey with you. And at the same time, there's a, there's a perimeter of guys who are not on this journey. They're just straight up like doing the security thing checking in, watching you, making sure everything's okay. They're there for first aid. They're there for emergencies. They're there for fucking dealing with bears and shit if that's necessary. <laughs> Whatever it is, right? They're there for that. And and like, yeah, I'm very excited about this and, and looking forward to it. So before we move into story time, um, I'd like to hear from Gabe a little bit because we talked about the different missions that we're running here. Uh, Gabe, talk to us about what's going on with Operation Bitcoin. What's the latest um, and uh, what can we look forward to here? Yeah, awesome. Thank you. Yeah, so um, Operation Bitcoin is um, it's a nonprofit that we've created to uh, bring Bitcoin education to, to veterans. Um, there are three different elements to it. The first part is education. We're powered by My First Bitcoin, uh, Me Premier Bitcoin, which is launched down in El Salvador. Um, we've been approved as a thematic node. We're actually the first thematic node uh, to be approved by them. And basically what that means is we're, we're theme based instead of geography based. And so our theme, of course, is military veterans. So we are we are power. We're using their curriculum and tailoring it to uh, to to be more for a veteran audience than for um, for kids in, in high school or middle school, which is what it was originally designed for. Completely open source. It's awesome. And then. Um, 
one of the other elements is connecting military service members that are transitioned from the military and also folks that have already been out for a little while, getting them plugged into the veteran, uh, excuse me, getting them plugged into the Bitcoin job community. So, um, you know, whether that is, um, you know, preparing them for interviewing and um, setting up introductions, creating relationships. Um, I'm currently in conversations with several of the main, uh, several of the larger Bitcoin employers in the spaces, just establishing those relationships so we can get pipelines of veteran talent flowing directly into their ranks. And I can tell you that the, the response is extremely overwhelmingly positive. Um, they all, um, people, just, people just love veterans. I mean, it's, I mean, what's not to love? Just look at this group of individuals on the screen in front of you. But, um, so yeah, the employer that I, I'm like, you've been in the military, right? <laughs> veterans? I, uh, so, don't, don't, don't talk about the same military. Don't tell them what's we, really we, we going on. Cool for a second there, too. You fucked it up, Joel. Yeah, <laughs> can we can we edit this live stream? <laughs> you can't. Actually. So that, but then the other part is uh, something that we realize that we probably all know. Anybody who's looked for a job in the Bitcoin um, space, they've um, there there just aren't as many jobs as there are people that are looking right now. And so one of the other areas that we're that we're growing is um, a business incubation service that will take veterans who want to start, you know, these entrepreneurial veterans that want to start businesses in the Bitcoin space and then providing them with the resources that they need and the support to launch businesses in Bitcoin and therefore create jobs in doing that. So we're getting the word out in a number of different ways. I mean, we've got Twitter. Uh, we're, we're actually out there on LinkedIn, um, really trying to tap into that market. I believe that there is that we are approaching at that phase where we're going to have millions of veterans that are on LinkedIn that are out there right now that are going to have questions about Bitcoin. And we want to be sure that they're receiving good quality information and not a bunch of bullshit because we know there's a lot of that floating around. So we want to be sure that they're getting high quality information that is reliable. Um, we also have a sub stack that is, that is uh, published out there right now. Um, take a look at it. We can put the link up in show notes and do all that cool stuff. But if you go on Substack, Operation Bitcoin, there, there's some really good stuff on there. A lot of it is is going to be story based and it's tied into military themes. There's some good shit. We have a great writer on there, Old Salt. He's putting out some good content. I think a lot of y'all are going to appreciate that. So take okay, a look at it and subscribe. Last thing to connect with us at Bitcoin Veterans. We're on Twitter at Bitcoin Veterans. We are uh, we have we have chat groups going. We have a Discord ser server going. Thanks, Mike Hobart. We've got all these events going, so get involved with us. We would love to have you, whether you're a veteran or not, whether you're a first responder or not, whether you're somebody who's military veteran adjacent, active duty, whatever the case may be. If you're interested in any of this kind of stuff, whether it be Bitcoin or just getting around a bunch of strong dudes so you can figure out what Bitcoin is, love to have you. Okay. Hell yeah. One more thing, Alex, I got to throw this in there. It's like we were talking about earlier with, with all, with, there are people around the world right now. And I, th I guess it's the course of events that have taken place over the last three years where reality has shifted and people are finding the plug is yanked out of the back of their freaking head and they're floating around. And, and what's happening is these these loud freaking voices that come with the media and that come with the agendas, they're grabbing a hold of them and they're they're pumping them full of full of the stuff that is that is poisoning their minds. And there's so many that are just floating around waiting for 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 individuals like us, for leaders for people that that know the truth that are going to, to teach it to them and grab a hold of them and embrace them and bring them into the way of the light. 
And that is the importance of this mission that we're doing right now. And that's why I believe we have so many veterans that are getting on the mission because we, we have that need to be tied into that greater sense of purpose. But yeah, Alex, I mean, you, if, if you're not a veteran, that's cool. If you want to be engaged in this mission, that's great. Come on. We got a place for everybody because this is bigger than the military. It's bigger than the veterans. Let's go. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. All right. You guys down with story time? Hell Let's yeah. Do some story time. Story time. All right. Joel, this is all about you, man. I've already told like four stories. Okay. Yeah, right. okay. You have. It's This gets better, right? Digging so. Deep. Story time is the end of the show. We're getting towards the end of the show. And what we want to do is we want to hear from you. Some of the most challenging or and or in hindsight, funniest shit you ever fucking saw when you were in the military, whether that's when you were a bud instructor or when you were when you were out, you know, deployed. Like, what is the thing that you think is the funniest goddamn story that ever happened? Oh, boy. Um <laughs> You know, I when I think of funny stories in the military, I always think of my friend Drago. You guys know who Tom Geron Drago? He's got a book out now. So Drago is this dude who I'll tell the story. I guess. Damn it, is it Joel. Before out. you get started, is he the yeah. one that spoke with Jocko Willink on his podcast? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, I know who he is. Right? Okay, so Drago is a close friend of mine. Um, he and I, I was the best man in his wedding. Um, Drago is a legend this guy's his background so he was he's he grew up polish and um he was arrested when he was about 20 21 years old and was um excuse me amazon's calling once in the gate um so he was arrested by the um the polish secret police when he was i guess 19 20 years old something like that and they threw him in the gulag for three years there he is. There's Drago. So they put him in the. There's him uh, re-enlisting with uh, with uh, Jocko up there in the corner. <laughs> um, yeah. So there he is. <laughs> That's Drago. Super tight UDT shorts and no shirt on. Um, <laughs> so Drago is this dude. Uh, he's, he really is a seal legend. Everybody knows Drago. So he he was put in the in the gulag, and they knocked all his teeth out. He would bare knuckle fight for the guards' entertainment. Um, he's scary as fuck. Um, the dude would, um, they actually, his mom has, it's in his book. His mom has a letter that the gulag people, the, the guard sent his mom a letter cause he wasn't behaving, asking his mom to tell him to behave. Cause they're constantly having, to <laughs> uh, he's just, he's crazy. So then when Pope John Paul, um, traveled to, uh, to Poland, <laughs> back in like 1989 or something like that. And he wouldn't go to Poland until they let some political prisoners go. Drago was one of those political prisoners that got let go because of Pope John Paul. So that's not Drago, is it? Oh yeah, that is Drago. I couldn't recognize him with this all geared up. So Drago, um, Drago, he goes, he goes, I go, I go straight to American embassy. I say, I defect. So he comes to the U S he learns to speak English, um, uh, working at a car lot, um, he's, he's got all these crazy stories about learning to speak English. And then the first Gulf War comes around and he, he's like, I need to, he's a, he's a, he's a most American person you'll ever met in your life, meet in your life. He's like, I, I must serve my country. So he goes down and he's like, I'm going to be army. And then, um, somebody that he was working with said, dude, you're crazy. You should be like a Navy SEAL or something. He's like, okay, I'd be Navy SEAL. He didn't know idea what it was. So <laughs> 
went through buds, made it all the way through. Um, I meet him in my first platoon. Um, tell these stories. I, I'm like, question. I tell the whole story. I'll tell, I'll tell most of the story. So, so <laughs> Drago, I'm, I'm in, um, I, I've heard all these stories about this guy. He's like, he's this Eastern European tough as nails dude um, who just doesn't take shit. You know, Eastern European masculine men, you just, is a different kind of vibe. You don't really, it's like, you know, the, the mafia, you wouldn't really like, you know, joke around and talk shit to each other. Oh, Randy knows him. Randy knows what's up. You know, draw everyone. <laughs> um, so uh, you just don't really talk shit to guys like that, but people do. And so Drago would not fight anyone. He just knocks them out. Like just, <laughs> it just touches the magic button and puts them right down. But here's the, the, the funniest part about it. Drago used to carry diaper safety pins. You know, the big ass safety pins always had four or five of them in his pocket because when he would knock someone out, he'd roll them on their side and he would safety pin their tongue to their lower lip. <laughs> and he's like, oh. I don't want them to swallow their tongue and asphyxiate yeah. and die. And so people would be like, holy shit, like freaking out when he told them this and showed them the pins. And he was like, no, no, it's kindness. It's kindness. And from coming from Drago, people were like, you know, it's just, it just doesn't. I mean, it really is. It, it really is. But <laughs> it's, it's like in a different level than anyone would <laughs> You know, and in his mind, it was kind of and everyone else was like, holy shit, your safety. And he's like, yeah, just and then you just take it out and the whole heels is no big deal, which is true. But he would do that all the time, you know, all the time. So Drago, um, he's in my sister platoon um, with uh, Rob O'Neill and a few other guys. And we're in Austin, Texas. We're in Fort Hood, actually doing mount training. And uh, we're at Fort Hood. And all the guys went into, it was like a weekend, two platoons worth of guys. They all went into town to party in Austin. Of course, you're going to do that. But I was a new guy and I had, exactly, um, I had no no money hardly because I was buying beer for everybody else um, all the time. And uh, so I'm, I'm just going to stay in the barracks and just hang out. We're staying in the old Quonset hut. So I'm in my, my, my pot and I'm just reading a book. I'm just hanging out on this Friday night and I hear on the door, boom, boom, boom. Like, oh shit, I get up and go to the door, look out the, the little front window, and it's Drago. He's like, Hey, where's everybody? I'm like, Hey, everybody left like half hour ago. You missed you missed all the all the, the trucks, you missed the, the vans. And he's like, You come with me, we go out. I'm like, God, oh, Drago, I'm staying in time. He's like, I'm just, I'm scared of this dude. It's my first time I've really been around him. He's like, You come with. I'm like, dude, no, no, no. And he's like, I, I don't have any money. He's like, I have money. And I'm like, uh, Petty Officer Zeron's the name. Petty Officer Zeron. I'm like, I really. He's like, Drago needs pussy. I'm like, okay, dude. Okay, <laughs> okay we'll go out. So I, I go out with Drago. We have a crazy night. Crazy night. Like, insane. I'm not even going to tell that part. Um, but I. Vehicles that we could drive off base were gone, had already been uh, taken. And there was one truck the Army gave us that was not supposed to be taken off base. It wasn't. It wasn't legal to take off base, not to, but we had the keys for that. So that's the one we took out. We're driving all <laughs> over Texas, the party and going to these road. We're having a blast. Had a crazy night. Drago and I are just best friends now. Um, <laughs> and so he's been one of my closest friends ever since. Amazing dude. Uh, out of control. Crazy, crazy dude. Um, in fact, one time we were doing this. Is, so we were doing a, a, some, some tech advising and consultation on Iron Man did a lot of that uh, when I first moved to LA uh, after I got out. And so I bring Drago up and Drago and I are, are, are both working with a bunch of other 
uh, former team guys with Harry Humphreys. And so we're, we're doing, um, you know, tech advising and weapons work and all that kind of stuff. And then, so they have a, a base camp area where everyone's at, and they have Teamsters driving vans to take you to a hot set or take you to lunch or take you back to the hotels or whatever. So there's Teamsters driving you around and we're in the van and we are, um, we are driving back to the hotel, I think, after, um, after uh, um, a full day of shooting. And one of the other SEALs in the van, Igor Persky, he said some smart-ass remark. Or no, I remember what it was. Drago had just met his soon-to-be wife, the one I was in their wedding for. And he's on his cell phone in the van. Go, do you kissy baby? I mean, he's like all, you know, all lovey. I love you, baby. And, you know, kiss me. This is from Drago. Like, not what you expect from this dude in front of everybody. And Igor made the mistake of saying some smart-ass amount, uh, remark or something to Drago about that. So Drago turns over. I don't think you guys do van brawls. We used to do them in the skittings all the time. Drago was over the seat on top of Igor, just tenderizing Igor up, you know, and you know, telling him to repeat what he just said. And, uh, and Igor's dying. And in the front seat, though, there were a few. Um, there were a few other people that weren't us. This is the. This is where the problem came in. So uh, there was like a makeup artist and like a wardrobe person in the front seat, all <laughs> not for civilian eyes, and definitely not for soft Hollywood civilian eyes. <laughs> this woman, this makeup person, ends up turning around and saying something smart. Mm. Just fucking god, bitch, keep your mouth shut. She said the wrong thing. The wrong thing to Drago, and he turns around at her, and he didn't hit her, but he's like, "I will rip your head off, and I will ship down your neck, and just and she's just like horrified in the front seat. Turns out her dad is one of the producers on the movie. So a couple hours later, after I come back to the hotel, I get a knock, knock, knock on my door, and it's Drago. He's like, uh, "There, I'm being sent home. <laughs> I need to get my ship for me. I know that you can give me a ride at the airport." So Drago got fired off of Iron Man, and. Joel, you've got you got all the good stories, man. Dude, you, we gotta we gotta get Drago into Bitcoin, Joel. You gotta get Drago on here. Drago, the thing guy. with Drago is that Drago is brilliant. So he's he's he he talks just like we call him Drago because he's still talking like this. Yo, 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 yo. And we can't understand a fucking word he says. Like you can understand him when he's speaking normally. When he gets wound up, like, what the fuck is that? So the dudes, here's a here's a Drago story for you. This one's you guys are gonna like this probably more than any of the others. So Drago, we're at SEAL Team Four at the time. Two of us are. We just got transferred over from SEAL Team Two, and Drago's wife at the time, his first wife, was cheating on him. I don't know who you are, but if you have any idea who Drago is. I don't know you if you don't, want to you don't cheat on this motherfucker. Not the guy. That is not the guy at not, all. Not, <laughs> so, not the guy. Um, and uh, so his wife was cheating on him. And when Drago found out, he was he's like, I'm going to kill him. And everyone, when Drago says that, that's not hyperbole. He's not saying, like, I'm going to kill that guy. Yeah, Drago, he really means that. Because that's we'd always true. try to send him to SEER school. He's like, I've been to real SEER. He's like, American prison, soft. Yeah, so Drago, Drago, what story was I just telling? Oh, yeah, yeah. So Drago found out his wife was cheating on him. So our command shut him on the base. He can't leave SEAL Team 4 comp. 
for like three weeks, bringing him food. People are running because they don't want him going out in town at all because they don't know what he's going to do. And so they locked him down. The next platoon going to Iraq, they just shoved him in. So he goes to Iraq. So Drago is just <laughs> no more. He's, he's in, um, he's in uh, Iraq. <laughs> and um, he's just having a blast. And right next door to the to the SEAL compound is the Grom, the Polish Special Forces. So when the, the SEALs weren't operating, he would go next door, knock, and he would jump in with them. And so he's just, he's operating with the Grom. He's operating with um, the SEAL teams. He's just destroying everything he's teaching. So then um, his platoon finishes up his, his deployment and the platoon goes back. Drago just stays. So he stays in Iraq. The next platoon is there and he just jumps in with that next platoon. And he, so he's just operating. Uh, Grom, wow. SEAL, Grom, SEALs. Um, <laughs> to go home, all of you soft people. So, I'm a safe. So then the next platoon happens. So he's been in Iraq about a year and a half, three deployments. And his special pay, his pay, dive pay, and everything stopped. And he's freaked out that his pays have stopped. So he calls back to the platoon, to the, to the, to the team. He's talking to admin. He's like, hey, this is petty officers are on, you know. My, my pay has stopped. And they're like, Drago, 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 where are you? He's like, I'm in Iraq. He's like, Drago, you were supposed to be back a year ago. Where are you? <laughs> <laughs> well, we thought you were AWOL. But yeah, so he's AWOL operating, you know, smoking in Iraq. And so then the kid, they, this is another part of that. So every time the new platoon would come in, he would take the new guys on the first operation. And what Drago would do is signature move is he would take the trigger fingers of all the insurgents that they get and break them. So he, so they can no longer shoot gun. Um, they, they can't do so. He's breaking all these fingers, all these insurgents. So he'd take all the new guys and all the like new officers and stuff around. And he'd show them how to pull out into the side and break a finger easily. And he's breaking a finger on this dude, on this Iraqi. He's got his knee on his back. And so then, um, so then this officer, this brand new officer goes, uh, petty officer Zahn, what if they're left-handed? And then Drago, the light bulb goes on. And so from there on out, both fingers. He's <laughs> breaking both index fingers. <laughs> oh, oh, I did not think of that. <laughs> we weren't fucking canceled off. Drago on here because Drago. Uh, everyone thinks he's dumb. He is not dumb at all. The Polish people as well. Um, the the Grom. We're like talking to them. We're like, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, it must be nice to be around you because you can understand. It. You know, he can talk Polish because we we can't understand him. The, the Grom guys are like, fuck, we don't understand him either. <laughs> <laughs> So, but Drago, he had his C++, his Microsoft certifications. He's a computer programmer way back in the day, writing program. He's he's actually extremely smart. Just it's hard to see past his Drago. You know? <laughs> <laughs> he's full on Neanderthal. He is awesome. You got to get him introduced to us. This guy sounds the, like the podcast he did with Jocko. I think there was a picture of it when Shane was scrolling through like 391 or something. If you haven't listened to that, like even Joel's like description of his history, like it doesn't do it justice. Like they go into some serious detail. Oh my God. He was, he, Drago's career was E3, E4, E3, E4, E3, E3, E4. He hit E5. He hit, he, he hit E4 like five times or something. Like that. <laughs> yeah. No, he's he's constantly being knocked out. They, uh, funny stories all the time. So he has this thing for cakes for desserts. He's got a sweet tooth like nobody else. So he's always he's always about cakes. Give me cakes. Everything is cakes. Cakes, cakes, cakes. And then uh he was on a ship and uh he there was like a, a they were making the desserts were for the officers' mess. 
And Drago said, I am officer. I am General Zeron. And so they brought him a whole cake and then got caught. And, and it was just, Drago just does, he was in the gulag. You know, they knocked all his teeth out. He just does not give a fuck. Fucking oh, be, being, being that smart and having that much muscle on your frame, like you need a lot of carbs. Oh, yeah. And he, <laughs> he has no knuckles. His, his, his fists are just flat. The guy's just. All right. I, yeah, I, I tell you what. It, Joel, this has been the funnest goddamn show, man. I think I've left. We've got requests piling in right now for a once a show Joel story time. Like, that's, that's it. this has been so fun. Oh, I'm going to get all my friends in trouble and me. Yeah, we're, we're going to wrap a bow on this one, guys. Um, any any parting thoughts, closing words, any of that from you, you guys? Just that I definitely want to have Joel come back for a second, third, fourth, and fifth episode. Hell yeah. I'll see you. I'll see you in July, man. Shit. Yes. You guys are gonna come out. We're gonna do a bonfire at the farm. Um, we'll have food, we'll do a barbecue. It's gonna be amazing. It's gonna be awesome. Thank you guys so much. It's awesome connecting with you and being part of the the chats and the group. And I'm this is I mean, Bitcoin aside, just the ethos that brings us to Bitcoin and to this the natural all the all the things we're talking about this is all this is this is my jam this is what we're all about this is truth this is righteousness this is fucking like like bikers righteous righteous this is righteous shit man and this all underlies and leads to to bitcoin and and you know um and, revocation of election and all that shit but it has to be in you and this is this is what i, I love this kind of community the, oh, the yeah. exciting part is we're just getting started man this is yeah. to be oh, yeah. We literally just started this shit last July. It's ramping up nonstop. I'm super fired up to get guys like you involved, Joel. This is going to be amazing in the next couple of years. This is going to be freaking fantastic. The community yeah. I'm into. Thanks for having me, guys. Our, our pleasure. Hey, everybody, go out there and uh, and follow Joel. Everything will be in the show notes from after here. Uh, if you want to get in contact with us, contact us, and we'll plug you into yeah. Bitcoin Veterans. We'll get you included in whatever you need to get included. Uh, go out there and support Joel's work. He is on escapeandevademobile.com there. You can go check that out. Uh, follow him on Twitter, all that fun stuff, and, and, and you know support the people who are supporting you know Bitcoin Veterans. This is, you know, getting this thing out here and doing all the work and and everybody behind the scenes it's just crushing it right now thank you to everybody we are absolutely honored to be you know kind of the, the, the face of this thing and uh uh joel to have you on here tonight man it's been a hell of a lot of fun great stories uh look forward to talking shop with you off air for even crazier stuff but uh until next time bitcoin veterans we're out see you peace <laughs>